Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Growth here in the fall is still a theme, but it's growth in the rate of inflation. It's growth in uncertainty. It's growth in a risk of recession. I'm Chris William, and welcome again to the most widely watched and longest running program on Carolina business policy and public affairs seen each and every week across North and South Carolina. And not to be hyperbolic, but growth of inflation is a real challenge. How are we going to unpack these uncertainties? And it is, is it really as bad as that? Well, that is a good place to start. We will with our panelists. And later on, uh, it is a company that's been called a unicorn. 20 years as a private company now went public about a year ago. Avid Exchange, based in Charlotte, is a brand new publicly traded company. We welcome back to the program the chief executive officer, Michael Prager. But we start right now. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Karen Reardon of the Myrtle Beach Area Chamber of Commerce, Tom Rue from NCIDEA Foundation, and special guest, Michael Prager, co-founder and CEO of Avid Exchange. Happy fall. Welcome again to our program. Karen, nice to see you again. Tom, welcome back to the dialogue and uh, almost happy holidays. But Karen, I'm going to start with you just very quickly. Um, I'm assuming uh, a couple weeks ago when Hurricane Ian came barreling through the southeast corridor of the United States, it did hit Myrtle Beach. I hope the damage was minimal. I, I saw some pictures from North Myrtle as well as Garden City. But what about what about the core of the Grand Strand? Uh, we are aware, safe and secure, and, and fortunately, it was very minimal damage. So we're just uh, really uh, doing a very, very impressive job of, of clearing away debris and um, you know taking a look at the damages that our businesses have. But um, overall, we, we, we feel like we, uh, we were saved uh, from, from the horrible devastation of, of Florida, and we're very, very grateful for that. So a lot of preparation, a lot of hard work paid off, and um, we're back better than ever, rebounding, and uh, we'll build back our beaches and our dunes um, as soon as we're able. Karen, I'd like you to wait in, and Tom, I'm going to ask you to follow up with her. Uh, North Carolina Secretary of State Elaine Marshall recently said a comment when, when someone asked her about the pace of new business creation. Mm -hmm. She called it, in, and I'm going to use her term, torrid. Mm -hmm. uh, she said it, and, and she said it almost as if it, it was a challenge. Um, Karen, do you see a torrid development of small businesses in either the Grand Strand or South Carolina? 
I think we could use that word easily for South Carolina. I think in the Grand Strand, uh, again, we're still so dominated by tourism that uh, we haven't reached our full potential in terms of diversification. So uh, I wouldn't use that word to describe the Grand Strand, but it has been um, impressive and it, it certainly has been growing um, since COVID. So in the last year, 21 and 22, um, we are uh, seeing a lot more entrepreneurs uh, start their businesses in the Grand Strand. And so th that's really encouraging to see. Central to small business creation, Tom, as you well know, is innovation, entrepreneurialism. Would you call it Torrid? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had four consecutive years of record-breaking years for the subsequent year we had more startups than the year prior. And at 2022, um, if it doesn't break 2021's record, it's gonna be darn close. So I think the, the, the headline there is we've had over 500,000 startups over the last four years in the state of North Carolina. And you know, when you consider the economic impact of that many people going out and starting companies, and, and the vast majority, by the way, from the secretary's office, stated it was an opportunity they were pursuing, not, not out of desperation, right? Like our factory closed, so I had to go start something. They're actually seeing opportunity in the market going and pursuing that. And uh, we know from data from places like the Coffin Foundation that in North Carolina, the nascent firms five years old or younger will on average create almost five jobs. So Chris, think about that. Take the math, right? A half million startups over the last five years, creating on average five jobs each. That's a lot of jobs. That almost sounds like a national number. I mean, is that was that surprising to you when you when you were tallying that up? Follow there are there are several states. There was about ten that had um, per census and commerce data had um, record what they call high propensity firm filings, and we were North Carolina was one of about like I said about ten, um, and so I think what we're seeing is in the states that have more robust ecosystems and have figured out you know, all the components to support the startups, um, they're, they're performing better. And the states that have neglected their ecosystems, um, they're, they're not performing as well. I'd also like to add, Chris, yeah, that um, I just feel like we're seeing so many women, we're seeing so many uh, minority businesses uh, take part in this entrepreneurship. And one of the other things that I think is really exciting is, as we just discussed, it's people running towards opportunity, not part of this so-called great resignation, which I don't buy into. Um, it really is people who have been dreaming about this and now the opportunity is right for them. And so they are pursuing it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's uh, really important for people to understand. If you both can wait in on this, as we talk about this and Tom, that number is, is pretty astounding. Five, five jobs for, for 500,000, it's, it's quite a big number. But my, my, my point is this, Two years ago, we, we were all very concerned about hospitality and tourism, of course, rightly so. But that is, has that been now supplanted plus plus given the new growth? And I mean, for North Carolina and South Carolina, would you both weigh in on that? Well, I, I think for North Carolina, where I'm more familiar with the data, it, you know, the hospitality industry certainly took a hit like it did nationally. Um, but we have just such a diverse ecosystem in tech, biopharma, life sciences, textile, ag. You know, there's really no one sector that is historically significantly outperforming others. We just have that luxury and that blessing to have such a diverse base. So if there is a particular challenge to, you know, hospitality, for instance, we have other sectors that are making up in the aggregate. 
Of course, we prefer all sectors to be hitting on all cylinders, but when there is a, a slowdown in one, it, it doesn't adversely you know, tilt all the data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think South Carolina mirrors that quite a bit too. I mean, obviously ag and manufacturing and tech are, are very big as well as tourism here on the coast. Tourism has been king, but I mean, again, the the uh, the notice that tourism was dead in 2020 was, uh, again, really incorrect. Uh, we actually have defied all of the odds and all of the national pundits who said that you know, one in 10 hotels were going to go out of business. We, we are stronger now. 2021 was a record year in tourism. And right now, coming through 22, uh, we had the best summer we've ever had. We actually beat 2021 figures. So, um, it, you know, it's just remarkable to show again and see the resiliency of the business community in South Carolina. And Karen, I know you don't, and we've got about 30 seconds, but Karen, I want to I want to unfold, unpack this just a little bit in about 30 seconds or so. Um, uh, as you talk about those revenues and as you talk about the expansionary nature and the lack that it, it wasn't quite as dark as everyone thought around tourism and hospitality, it still stands in contrast to a lot of these firms, whether they're in tourism or not, can't find workers. But so does that do those cries of not being able to find workers kind of fall on deaf ears if revenue is growing and, and it's expansionary? And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but those things seem to stand in contrast to they are, but I would say the workforce issue is still a number one issue that the chamber and other chambers across the state are, are facing. Because again, that's talent, that's our future. And we want to continue to grow our entrepreneurial ecosystem. So we need to have that great talent coming out of our universities and staying. So it does seem like it might be a bit of a contradiction. Uh, people certainly appreciate that and, and the business community that we had less workers, we may have even had a few less people, but our occupancy, our ADR and our RevPAR was yeah. high than ever before so profits were strong but um long term and that's the mindset we need to have um we need to start okay. growing more of our workforce okay tom in 30 seconds literally can you do that same thing is is that when, when these things contrast revenues going up firms still expanding record numbers but everyone staying jobs is still is still the biggest uh, barrier yeah for, for the for the sector that we serve jobs and you know talent remain the number one priority and you know this is the this is kind of the um, underbelly of the great news in North Carolina with every you know big company like Apple or Google that moves yet another facility here, you know not only does the existing corporate base but it's the startup base has yet another significant competitor mm -hmm. to you know compete with to find the talent. So we, it is you know even though things are growing and we're seeing cap the capital stack coming in. Um, there is still a number one demand for talent. And like I said, with every big new company that comes in, it just makes it a little more competitive. For people that are unfamiliar with the term unicorn in entrepreneurial world and venture capital, it is usually a private company worth about at least $1 billion in valuation. Well, our guest, our returning guest's company is at least worth that at the beginning of their IPO last year. Now, a year later, they are the publicly traded Avid Exchange. We welcome back to the program the co-founder and the chief executive officer of Avid Exchange, Michael Prager. Michael, congratulations on an IPO, and now you're a publicly traded CEO. Exactly. No, I appreciate it, uh, Chris. And actually, um, I was reminded yesterday, it was our one-year anniversary of our IPO. So October 13th of last year, and it was certainly been an eventful uh, and interesting first year being a public company, that's for sure. 
Mike, before we drill down into the nuances of what it's like now, not just publicly traded company, but a, but a payment platform and, and tech and fintech, you, you see a lot of the headlines that we all talk about, inflation, the cost of energy, this, this kind of this wall of worry when it comes to hiring. What do you worry about? What's, what, I mean, what's right in front of you? What, what's, what's your biggest challenge? Yeah, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot, especially now as a you know, new public company. And the kind of the three big factors that I talk about are, you know, the macroeconomic uh, environment and, you know, is there a recession and how is the recession impacting the middle market, which is uh, our customer set? Uh, second one is inflation. Uh, and the third is interest rates. Um, what's interesting is from a business perspective, all three of those are actually helpful to us in terms of driving our business. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, you know, dicier economic environment, more companies are focused on automating key processes. How do you do more with less? Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, inflation helps the average, you know, transaction sizes increase. Uh, so that's all positive in terms of the, you know, what I worry about is maybe that inflationary factor and how it impacts teammates, uh, right? Um, you know, everything's getting more expensive for teammates. Uh, I kind of, you know, did a town hall recently and um, I talked about my personal surprise at the price of blueberries uh, escalating over the summer. And I'm like, you know, well, why is the price of blueberries increasing? My wife's like, well, there's this thing called inflation going on. Um, and so, you know, things are getting more expensive. And what that means for us, where talent is so critical, being uh, a technology software company competing, you know, worldwide, especially in the U.S. with, you know, competitors in Silicon Valley and other, you know, tech markets and how we're attracting the, the best and brightest talent is uh, really make sure that we're, you know, staying aligned with, you know, um, rising salaries and comp structures to make sure that, um, you know, we really lean in and are in the forefront of making sure we retain the talent and attract the talent we need to continue, you know, um, our, you know, dynamic and robust growth. Tom, I'm going to let you wait in. Yeah, I, you know, I was wondering, as you started off by saying it's the one year anniversary, happy anniversary, <laughs> and what a year it's been. And I had a different question, Pratt, but you kind of piqued my interest here. Like, could you imagine, have you had you not IPO'd last year? Could right. you imagine doing it in the current environment? Yeah, well, first of all, it, it we wouldn't have in the current environment, right? Because there's literally been no IPOs and there's no, um, you know, kind of the interest level for new issuance is uh, probably, uh, you know, at an all-time low right now. Um, but in hindsight, we, we couldn't have timed it any better. Um, and uh, we... Um, you know, our IPO was, you know, 20 times plus oversubscribed and we raised, uh, you know, over 600 million for the business. And so we're, you know, going into now the current, you know, um, you know, whether you want to call it a recession or not, or, you know, dicier economic times with this war chest of a balance sheet um, that allows us to do some really unique things that a lot of other companies can't do in the current environment. And, uh, and so continue to lean on our investments and in innovation and growth and, uh, and really, you know, I think be opportunistic related to the potential acquisition candidates, you know, as they come along, you know, in the you know, coming year. Sure. So you mentioned talent. Um, I'd love to know, besides, you know, looking at, you know, staying competitive in terms of salaries and benefits, is there something in particular that you're doing that you think is pretty innovative that's really helping you get the best of the best uh, to come to your company? Uh, Yes, and uh, that is around culture. Um, you know, I've been talking about it for years, how culture can really be a competitive advantage for companies. And it's really one of those things that's hard to measure, right? And 
I think in the current environment, um, now it is actually able to be measured in terms of those companies that are actually able to retain their talent. And you know, specifically, let's focus on technology talent. Um, there's far you know, more you know, jobs and opportunities for the talent base. And so uh, unfortunately, there's not enough talent to go around. And there's some really you know, great companies uh, that have great products where maybe you know, their culture, you know, they haven't leaned into developing the culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and today they're struggling to attract and, and retain the talent they need. Um, uh, I think, you know, here in Charlotte, uh, we have a very unique culture related to, um, you know, we call it, you know, a set of core values combined with mindsets. And the number one mindset that we want is uh, a growth mindset across all teammates. Uh, and that means two things. One is we want teammates that, um, uh, want to be part of a growth business uh, at Avid Exchange. You know, we've on average grown, um, you know, at 30% plus for 10 years in a row. Um, and that's a, you know, I'll call it a chaotic environment. And there's people that excel in that environment. And there's also people who like, you know, opt out of that environment or, you know, don't excel because there's so much change going on on a consistent basis. Um, and we also look for teammates that want to grow personally. Um, if there's somebody that wants to, you know, uh, you know, a particular role, and they're happy being in that role for the next 10 years, that's not a good candidate for Avid Exchange. We want somebody that, you know, wants to you know, be in that role for two years, but then wants to grow into, you know, a different role. And, uh, and so the combination of personal growth combined with, you know, operating in a growth business is the number one thing that we try to foster at Avid Exchange. And that's, you know, kind of what drives, you know, begins to drive the culture along with that, you know, entrepreneurial mindset. Um, and so I would say, you know, number one, it's the, it's the culture. We spend a lot of time uh, teaching culture, um, you know, intentional building the culture. Um, our Avid Exchange Foundation has a lot to support, you know, the, um, the you know, kind of the uh, foundation side of the culture in terms of how we interact in the communities that we have offices in. You know, here in Charlotte, we, you know, especially during, you know, the last three years and uh, with COVID really leaned into our Tech Rising initiative, where we're saying, listen, uh, for the youth of our communities, um, the number one thing that we can do to create an equal playing field of opportunity for the youth is to create an equal you know, playing field on technology. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that every high school student, uh, regardless of their economic background, has a laptop, has internet access, goes a long way, especially you know, in the last couple of years of COVID, uh, to be able to equal that you know, playing opportunity of development and give them access to the same opportunities uh, that everybody else has. And so those are the things that, you know, we're leaning into uh, that all go to, you know, being, you know, uh, the leading and largest software company um, in the Charlotte market. Uh, Michael, let, let, me, let me seize on this idea of growth. And you're talking about professional, cultural, and developmental growth within the company. But let me go, let me go back to something. So as the private company, Avid Exchange, and now the public company of Avid Exchange, the co-founder, CEO, is under some pressure to pivot. And pivot, what I mean from being go, go growth Right. You've got early stage, you've got VC money, you've got people that want growth yep. uh, for an exit, and maybe the IPO is the exit, maybe it isn't, but you pivot from growth to now value, and not just a value proposition for you as a payment processor, um, and that's a general thing, but how right. do you make sure that the company's value, when you look at the, the financials, is right and is in the right place for three, five, 10 years? Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a great question. One of the things that's probably um, I'll say the most frustrating thing about you know uh, being a public company is that you have like a daily scoreboard of you know value for the business, and 
you know, when you, when you go to sports event and you watch a game unfold, the scoreboard kind of matches what's happening on the field, right? Or on the court. Um, as a public company, you see the scoreboard, but it's like disconnected to what's happening, actually happening in the business, right? And uh, so that's one of the things that's probably been the most frustrating. Um, but one of the things, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, um, you know, kind of the pivots. And I think, you know, what's interesting is, you know, you look at any successful, you know, growth company, one, you know, any company has been doing for a long period of time. And every company's had to go through, you know, many pivots in their kind of, you know, corporate journey. And, and, and the same is true for us. Uh, we went through plenty of, you know, product related pivots early in our existence. And in the last year, our first year being a public company, you know, really uh, had to understand, you know, kind of that, that financial pivot around, you know, it's not just about growth and taking advantage of the market opportunity. It's, um, you know, let's, you know, I think of the markets that Avid Exchange prove that your business model is actually um, a profitable business model and can achieve the type of margins and everything else that you know we expect out of a company that has Avid Exchange's profile. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we've been you know doing that. Uh, you know, if you listen to uh, my uh, you know earnings releases every quarter, um, we've been continuing to pull you know forward our path to profitability and articulate that. And uh, we've done we pulled it forward significantly from mm -hmm. you know what we. Um, you know, articulated at the time of our IPO and, you know, we'll continue to, uh, you know, lean into, um, you know, that path to profitability combined with growth. And we, and the term that we've kind of coined for it is kind of the efficient growth model, uh, which really combines that, you know, focus, uh, equal focus on the margin profile, profitability focus, uh, profile, along with continue to achieve our growth objectives. Mm -hmm. Tom? So, you know, you, you said culture so many times and, and I agree. And, and of course you're in that battle for talent and that's important to a lot of the, the people you're trying to hire. Um, a little more broadly, when I think culture, I think it's also kind of a product of the ecosystem. And, you know, you're born and raised in the Charlotte ecosystem, you know, I, you predate me. I've only been in the market for about seven years. So Avid was already, you know, just such a highly considered uh, company by the time right. I joined. And of course, we have invested a lot statewide to have support an entrepreneurial ecosystem. You know, what, if any, role was the ecosystem in the early, you know, days? And follow on to that question is, could another avid, you know, be born in the Charlotte market today? So I'll start at the end uh, first, and that is absolutely could another, you know, avid exchange be, you know, born and developed. And I think today it's actually, you know, it's not easy but it's actually easier probably in terms of the infrastructure to support a, you know, a company like Avid Exchange in the early years, um, more so today than it was 20 years ago or 22 years ago when we got started. Uh, to go back to your kind of beginning of your question, um, I was in Boston and uh, I, you know, running a software company that we sold in the mid nineties and um, love the, you know, I love the summers in Boston and not so much the winters. And we said, we, um, my wife and I, we're probably going to start another software company, but you know, where in, in the country do we want to do it? And we purposely looked at different cities and selected Charlotte because at the time we saw this phenomenal, you know, I think opportunity uh, that Charlotte always had this can-do attitude and a great relationship between, um, you know, the governmental uh, side with the university side combined with business. And uh, folks like, you know, Hugh McCall and uh, Ed Crutchfield and others, you know, uh, provided a great example about, yes, you can compete in the marketplace, but in Charlotte, we're very collaborative in how we're building the city together and bringing all these different constituents together. 
Um, and that was really inspiring. And uh, I think as we grown at, at Avid Exchange, we said, hey, I want to be part of that ecosystem. And um, it's one that's, you know, uh, growing and developing. And if I can help bring the entrepreneurial aspect to it and provide a role model that, yes, you can build uh, a significant, you know, company uh, as a startup in the Charlotte community, um, you know, and we wanted to prove and demonstrate that you didn't have to be in Silicon Valley or in Boston or in Austin. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, during our early years, uh, people said, oh, Mike, it's great what you're doing, but like, when are you going to move? Right. Because uh, you're not going to build a big software company in Charlotte. You need to be in Silicon Valley. You need to be in Boston. And, uh, and from the beginning, you know, I, like, I didn't understand that mindset. I, I think Charlotte is actually a competitive advantage for us. Um, and I'd rather be, you know, kind of a bigger fish in a smaller pool and provide, you know, be a role model than just be another startup company in one of the other markets. And, and let, let me, hold on, Karen. I want to, I want to make sure I get this in just quickly, Mike. Well, let me follow up on that. But you, you look at the triangle, SAS, Wolfspeed now, oh. which was Cree, Pendo. I mean, take your pick, Apple, Google. Yeah. Wouldn't it make sense to co-locate with giants that also, and, and I know you know this dialogue. So again, Charlotte and, and the triangle would seem the triangle's hands down the place to be for that. Well, I, I and I'm not trying to pit them against probably, No, I, I'd probably disagree a little bit from the standpoint of, um, I think we have an opportunity to create. And we have a, one know, minute. Really, Sorry, Mike, our own know. our own era narrative in in Charlotte, right? And uh, we can cultivate that narrative and position and um, you know, Avid Exchange is the company that is that leader um, of our market, and uh, and that you know gives us a lot of benefits in terms of access to talent. Um, the impact we have in the community. And I like that environment. And so um, I'm Charlotte through and through, and we love being headquartered here. Thank you, Mike. And I'm sorry I didn't give you enough chance to unpack that one, but well said. Um, don't lo love hearing those debates. Uh, Michael Prager, congratulations again, and also being named to the Queens University Hall of Fame. We didn't get a chance to unpack it, but well deserved. So congrats. Thank to you, you, Chris. Oh, I'm happy absolutely. to be back anytime. Uh, please do. Tom, good to see you. Karen, best of luck down at the coast and going forward until next week. I'm Chris William. Hope your business is good and certainly enjoy your weekend. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.